0: The Toronto Blue Jays are getting healthy, and the bats are finally coming alive. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 128 of Buds and Blue Jays. This is your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm Jesse Burrell, joined as always by my co-host, Riley McConnell, and today on our show, we've got a good one. Our Toronto Blue Jays march into Cincinnati after losing the series opener. We come back nicely and take two out of three against a good Cincinnati Reds team. We'll have all the major storylines coming out of this series, including Dalton Varsho heating up, Paul DeYoung being DFA'd, and so much more coming in this episode. But first, Riley, I want to start this episode here today with a true or false statement. True or false, Riley, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be a playoff team in 2023.
1: True. We're going to get the third wildcard spot. That's my answer at this point. That's my answer right now.
0: It's tough because as the things stand right now, we are still half a game out. We are not in there. I would say on talent alone, we are a better team than the Seattle Mariners and we have a better strength of schedule left than the Seattle Mariners. But we're not in it right now and there's only six weeks to go and this Blue Jays team still hasn't hit his stride. I'm with you. I think it's going to happen, but I'm still not certain about it it's a t- jesse there is no
1: certainty in baseball there's no certainty with this year with this team although on paper it should be more, more certain um we've played a fantastic group of teams this year we've lost games we should have won and we've lost games against guys that are competing with us and against us so i mean hey for us, this is a series that we could have taken the sweep. Uh, I thought that uh, the starter for the Reds in game one was fantastic. I thought all our pitching was great. But, hey, a one nothing game, a, a rookie hits a walk-off home run. I mean, hey. Hats off to the Cincinnati Reds. They have a fantastic group of young players. Extremely exciting series to watch. Very exciting baseball, man. I'm glad that we came out of there. We should feel good after 10 runs, and we should be reflecting on that on that on our off day today because we got a big series to play but pack it pack your things um after this series with the same mentality you had boys uh after the third game scoring double digits
0: yes baltimore orioles the blue jays are making a trip there next going to camden yard so the blue jays will have to keep playing well i'm getting nervous watching all these seattle mariners games and hoping for them to lose but uh We'll get on to that a little later. This is episode 128 of Buds and Blue Jays. So before we get into the main series, we're going to do what we've been doing all season long. And we're giving you some fun Blue Jays stats with the episode number correlating to it. This is episode 128. And Riley, I thought this was a fun one. 128 is the career number of times that Carlos Delgado was intentionally walked in his Blue Jays career, which is a franchise record. No Blue Jay has been walked more than intentionally more than 128 times. And then the next two are about Jim Clancy, Riley, who you might know from the 1980s pitching for the Blue Jays. It's the number of wins he had with the team, and it's also the number of walks he had in a season, which is 1980, which is his franchise record. So for the next two, Riley, which is number 128 in career hitter war and 128 in career pitching war, I want you to try to guess. And a little hint for the viewers at home, we're trying to guess. Both these players are Canadian. So that's going to be a little fun one. The hitter one, Riley, might be a little easier. He played from the Jays from 2007 and 2008. He was mostly a designated hitter. Played a little bit of left and right field as well, though. What is your guess? And I can give you more Oh, hints man,
1: this is a too easy one. This is uh, New Brunswick's Matt Stairs for Matt sure. Matt Stairs,
0: bingo, yep. Yeah. My next clue would have been he had a massive home run for the Phillies in the NLCS as well. This one might be a little tougher, Riley. 128 in pitcher war. Um, I didn't really know who this guy was. He pitched from the Jays from 94 through 97. He was mostly a middle reliever. I think he made maybe four starts as a Toronto Blue Jay. He came back for a second stint in 1990. Six-foot-three left-hander. Oh, Yeah, it wow. might be tough. It,
1: and a Canadian guy, and it's and mm. it's a relief pitcher, na- not named Paul Quantrill. Uh, yeah. Like I, I honestly couldn't tell you lefty lefty relief pitcher that's Canadian, man. I'd love to hear the answer though. I've, maybe I've heard this name.
0: Paul Spoljarek was his name. Oh, yeah. yeah,
1: yep. It makes hey, I, I, um, I played a lot of out of the park baseball, um, you know, and that's a, That's a name right there. Uh, Paul Spoljarek. Yep, I, I do know that name, uh, but uh, I would not have
0: guessed that. We're deep into the woods here, 128, a pitcher of war. It's guys who <laughs> have spent very little time with the team, but... For your Immaculate Grid um, coming up, just a name to remember if you're looking for those sicko scores like Riley and I have been doing here. Let's get into the game recaps, though, of the Cincinnati Reds and talk about what happened here. In game one of this series, the Blue Jays were locked in a pitcher's duel. Jose Barrios spent five and two-thirds, only gave up one hit, did walk four, though, with eight strikeouts. The bullpen pitched pretty solid behind him, but they were matched up against Brett Kennedy, who, Riley, you said earlier, thought pitched pretty well. He did pitch pretty well, but it's a guy the Blue Jays really should have hit, and they did not in this series. The game was scoreless all the way up until the ninth when Jordan Hicks hit, gave up a home run on a curveball to young rookie Christian Encarnacion Strand. The Blue Jays lose this game one nothing. Blue Jays only had three hits. Brandon Belt was the only Blue Jay to reach base twice. Whit Merrifield had a hit and Dalton Varshow had a hit in the losing effort as well. Game two, though, the Blue Jays really needed a win, and they were in a back-and-forth affair with the Cincinnati Reds. The game stayed scoreless until the fourth when the Blue Jays put up three runs in this one. Thank you to a Dalton Varsho single, a Whitmerryfield single, and a Bo Bichette single, but it was given up right back in the bottom half as TJ Friedel hit a home run, and, and the most exciting player in baseball, Ellie De La Cruz, hit a triple to the gap, and then would end up later scoring when Kevin Biggio overthrew the second baseman. But thank God our mustache guy himself, Davis Schneider, prevented the shutdown inning, hit a home run, and the bullpen shut the door down from there not giving up another run and allowing the blue jays win in what really was a back and forth battle in game three of this series the bats finally woke up hunter green came off the il for the cincinnati reds and he was throwing up meatballs to the toronto blue jays they win this game 10 to 3 the jays hit five home runs in this one brandon belt had a double dong boba Bichette hit one as well george springer had a home run and kevin kiermeyer had a home run as well. Nolver the there. Bowdoin Francis worked three innings pitching in high leverage at relief to get the save, getting a four strikeouts. And Hunjin Ryu, Riley, on his fourth start back, had his third start in a row without allowing an earned run. Five innings, four hits, one walk, and seven strikeouts. So after the series, Riley, the Blue Jays stand. With a record of 69-56, and we are eight and a half games back of Baltimore in the AL East and still half a game back of Seattle in that final wildcard spot, but only one game back of Houston as well with still quite a bit of baseball to be played, Riley. So a lot of big storylines coming out of this series. What's going first?
1: I want to talk about a really interesting play. First of all, we'll talk about our pitchers after because each one of those starters could have got a thumbs up. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to talk about a play um, at the – Played, uh, like a savvy plate appearance by one of the best Um, who made a real nice bunt. And, and you know, in the terms of baseball, you know, a runner on first and second usually, you know, calls for a sacrifice bunt. Um, Dalton Barshow basically had a perfect squeeze bunt. We've seen oh, down the third baseline. We've seen Barshow bunt his way on. Using the right side of the infield, however, this was this was you know if if he squared you could call the sacrifice bunt. This was in no way and like the intent was not a sacrifice bunt. The third baseman was playing him quite back, and I thought he made a tremendous tremendous uh, stab at the ball to lay that one down. Um basically in no man's lane. When you when you put the ball in the Bermuda triangle of the of the pitcher's rubber home plate and third, like it's really tough for the pitcher to field that uh usually the third baseman be playing and, and making that play, but he was playing too far back. That's good IQ from Dalton Varshow. Um, He had a hit in every single one of these games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, and he drew, he drew two walks, Jesse in, in the finale, which is something that is good for Dalton Varsho because he didn't steal in this series, but he is a fast base runner. So to have that in the pitcher's mind, to have Dalton Varsho on base, there's always, you know, the threat to steal. Um, I, I was, Hey, for I'm really high still on Dalton Varsho. Jesse, you keep reminding me it's his first year in Toronto. Sometimes players take a minute to sink in, especially young players. Okay, fine. Yeah, especially
0: changing so then, leagues too from the National League. To the yeah, United oh,
1: League, yeah. for sure, Jesse, yeah, absolutely. But it's more or less for Varsho to have a good series at a well-needed time. Um, he was certainly instrumental in in the Game Two victory. So I mean, hats off to him. We really needed the series win. I really hope to see more of those kind of approaches by Varsho. Um, I mean, that's a rarity to, to get a bunt base hit like that. Uh, but it's still, hey, he's a toolsy guy, right? I mean, that's another one of his tools in his arsenal that he can use. And I just thought to, to start it off, it was a really interesting play. We'll have another interesting play to talk about here shortly. But that's the one interesting play of this series for sure. And I, I thought Varsho had a great series.
0: Yeah, not only that, Riley, he was getting hits off lefties too. Like, you think he started two games against the lefties. He hit a big looping curveball, which is something Dalton Varsho had really struggled with. Riley on his last 15 games, he's hitting 302, 348, 605. That's a 953 OPS, Riley. Not only could he, sit, this could be his best sea, even season, sorry, he could really be a catalyst as this team goes on down the stretch. Riley, you remember when the Blue Jays acquired Dalton Varshow and we had the episode, we talked, well, he was really good in September of last year with Arizona, where he had nine home runs and a 134 WRC plus. So I'm going to give you a true or false question here, Riley. Is Dalton Varsho going to go on a run like that this September, or is he going to go back to the guy he was for most of this season?
1: I mean, hey, let's see a WRC plus around 115. Sure. And I'll be super happy with that. If he's 15% better than league average... I think it's this much better. I think we need more. Earlier, he's got a lot of unique tools for this ball club. Being a left-handed bat, being a tremendous plus defensively, I would really I would really just enjoy. And I think the team would really benefit from his success. I think that's a no-brainer with the speed he has on the base pass and in the field. Um, and, of course, the power. The power is clearly there. And, you know, a savvy, a savvy bunt as, as well. It's there's just all great tools to have for who, who's going to be a good ball player for this team.
0: Jays are going to need it, especially when we need an offensive thump. If Dalton Varsho can deliver some of that thump, it's going to be good, Riley. Let's talk about another player who delivered some offensive thump here. And Riley Boba is back, baby. <laughs> I can't believe how much this team really did miss him when he was gone. He didn't play in game one of this series after he finished a two-game rehab assignment with Buffalo, where he hit a home run down there. He hit really good. He came back, and he came back with a bang, Riley. Three hits in his two games, including a home run. And, Riley, it is such a sigh of relief to see a back, hitting in this top of the lineup. Like, he is so good. And the team just seems to hit better when he is here. It really strengthens our lineup. Um, He's our best player, plain and simple, Riley. And if the Blue Jays are going to... Make this run to move past Seattle, move past Houston to get into the playoffs. Our best player is going to have to be our best player. And I'm so glad that Bo Bichette is back because the lineup just feels more complete when he is in it.
1: The lineup is certainly more complete. Jesse, it's kind of like this. Oh, Bo's not in the lineup. uh, Let's all take a day off. And it's kind of like the same thing. Like, shut up. My mom's calling or (laughs) quick. We got to clean up my dad's home. Like, oh, shoot most back guys better start hitting again. And, right. and, and he, he, he basically started off his, his return with a ball that off the bat, I'm like, there's a double. It went, yeah, it was a sharp hit ball. It's- and it just went, it went foul. But no. honestly, as soon as I saw that, I just thought like, we're, I, I may, it makes, I, I've never felt more at ease watching a foul ball for this team because certainly Jesse, He's had some time off. He still leads his team with 18 home runs. It's surely he's going to be the first to reach 20 for this ball club. And I mean the extra base power. And I was trying to do some calculations a little bit ago. Like there's a, there's a really good chance one day, Jesse that Bo Bichette has a season where he has like 70, 80 extra base hits. Wow. There's a, Really good chance of that. I know that seems like a ton, but because this is a guy who the power is there. And if he can turn those singles into doubles, like he has tremendous off the barrel, like bat, like it's his, his, the exit velocity. Like it's just everything that's off his barrel. He can hit home runs to all fields. He can pull the ball well. He can slice a ball down, drop it in. Like he can do it all at the plate. I love watching Bulbachet hit. Every Jays fan loves watching Bulbachet hit. I feel like his plate discipline has gotten significantly better, mm-hmm. yeah, and I feel like I know that. And uh, the league's looking around, like and and looking at Bulbachet and the value of what this guy is. Like he is a true superstar in this league, and he has become more of a complete ball player in 2023 than. Anyone previously, he is, a, I mean, as, as good as he started his stint with the Blue Jays, he has still improved so much in all, in all um, aspects of the game. And it's just, hey, I'm just super happy to have Bo back. And then we jumped on the Bo train and we decided to hit some home runs uh, in game three. And that was nice as well.
0: Yeah, it absolutely was. Glad to have Bo Bichette back. Please stay healthy, Mr. Bo Bichette. Uh, Moving on to another player, or the guy who was supposed to be the Toronto Blue Jays' best player this year, and that is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We've talked a lot about what is going on with this season. Why isn't he performing as well as we think he should be? And we'll touch more on that later. We want to highlight specifically, and you wanted to talk about, his uh, play he made at first base in Game 1 of this series, where he had the fly ball and he let it drop and was able to turn a double play. Look, that was the reason the infield fly rule was invented, but there's not an infield fly with only a runner on first base and one out. Riley, I do want to say when I first saw the play for the very first time, I wasn't convinced that he did it on purpose. I thought he just misread the ball and got it. But when you watch the replay, you can really tell. He's looking at the runner. He's looking at the ball. He pulls his glove down. He did that on purpose. 100 IQ play. You know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., even though he might not be making the best swing decisions at the plate and the offense isn't where I want it to be. He is still a smart baseball player, and he proved that in game one of the series.
1: It's a play that if that – listen, it's an interesting play, Jesse. I would be lying to you if I told you I'm a fan of that play. I'm I'm a fan of the outcome of that play for the Blue Jays, but if I'm anyone else in the world – And I'm not a Jays fan, or this happens, Joey Votto does that, or Spencer Steer does that. Mm -hmm. I'm losing my mind because it's, (laughs) it's, because I'm saying, I'm not saying that play was, but if this, if the shoes on the other foot, I'm calling it Bush League. I'm calling it a mockery of the game. Yes, Jesse, it's an extremely heads up baseball play, but that is why uh, this, this play will, will, bump something back into a a ball player. Uh, I can't remember who hit the pop-up, but that is why you run out balls. That is why you got to be running that ball. It's a short pop-up because either way, either way you spin it, whether that ball goes to first, first or second after, which it did, if that ball goes to second, first, and then afterwards the ball is thrown to first, it's still a double play. So the baseball IQ was very, you know, with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on that play. Um, it's kind of like, um, oh, God, I can't even think the Cleveland Indians baseball movie there. What the heck am I thinking? Major League. Yeah, it's major like league. Major major League. It's like, nice play, Maze. Don't ever do it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's kind of where my head was at with that. But it's like, hey, we the outcome is the most important thing. And it's extremely high IQ, but we just – we're probably not going to do that too many times on the ball field. There was a lot of exciting plays in the series. Um, as exciting as Cincinnati is, we can be very exciting too. So we'll leave it like that. We hope – on the, on a side note with Vladdy, he did drive a couple baseballs pretty hard. They did not go for extra bases. So he's still a got a long – He's still got a long ways to go, man, uh, for this to work.
0: Yeah. He also left game three with an injury. We are still waiting for an update. Um, the Blue Jays don't seem like it is super, It like it's super concerning, but you know, it's something to monitor right now. This might be something he has to deal with for the rest of the season. So we need Vlad to be better at the plate. And if he's leaving with an injury, that is not ideal. Riley, before we move into some more of the negatives, including the team defense, the Blue Jays had here, I want to talk about Davis Schneider, Riley and Look, he only played one game in this series. He struck out pretty badly in his first two at-bats. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, man, we got to talk about David Schneider. Maybe he wasn't ready. Maybe he wasn't too hot. And then he hammers a curveball like almost 400 feet to left center field to give the Blue Jays the lead. I am on the the bandwagon I or whatever you may call it that I want David Schneider to play more. I want him in the lineup all the time. I get it. Biggio has played well, and I get it. Whit Merrifield plays the exact same positions, and you're not taking Whit Merrifield out of the lineup. But I want to find a way, whether it's getting someone into DH or whatever it may be, to get Davis Schneider into this lineup more, especially because the Blue Jays need more offensive thump, guys who really barrel the baseball, and Davis Schneider does just that. So I really want to see him in this lineup more. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, first of all, he really gives me some Dan Ugla uh, comp vibes.
0: Dan Ugla is a great comp.
1: Uh, power, stocky kind of second baseman, and I like him there, Jesse. Um, the problem is, it, it, like that, Biggio has been playing so fo- so like well in the last little while that I really want Biggio in the lineup as well. And like that, no question that Wet Maryfield batting leadoff for this team is probably one of the most beneficial things to this lineup right now. Yeah, so you're it, not messing it, with that. He's got on base. He got to hit every game. Well, I know he got on base every game, whether he got to hit every game. That's that's besides the point that um, he's doing what a leadoff hitter should do. Um, so you're moving guys like Springer down in the lineup and you're probably doing a little shuffle there with Varsho and, and you know, possibly your middle infield. If, if Mary Fields in left field, um, you know what? I, I like that. He hit that off a lefty. I think that that shows like, hey, like, what are the splits like? Let's look at David Schneider splits like, oh, well, actually, in the first series, he actually hit really well off right handers, whether that was lucky or whether that was, uh, you know, that was what he's designed, because more often than not, Jesse, as you know, you know, it's not uncommon for a right-handed bat to hit better off of right-handed pitching. It's rare to see a left-hander any hit better off, you know, a lefty pitcher. But for Davis Schneider's sake, I guess I'm kind of 50-50, man, because um, I really like Biggio in the lineup. But I do like what I see from a young second baseman. Like, I like, hey, when they're like, yeah, it's nice when we hit five home runs in a ball game. But when you're supplying the thump, um, pretty much by yourself i mean it's it's almost a necessity you know had there been runners on base we're talking a different ball game it's less stressful than a one-run victory um but hey we got a great closer we shut the door i'm with you i i would put him in you know at least in every series if not uh, like, he plays every series for sure, Jesse. No doubt in my mind, he's playing once every series. And I'd play him in two games out a four in a four-game series.
0: Uh, see, I almost want him more than that. I want to see what the kid could do. If he can be an offensive piece, let him. Let them do the thing, but uh, we'll see what John Schneider and the rest of the team decide to do after that. Riley, from some negatives that happened in this Blue Jays series, you know, they did lose a game, and Jordan Hicks did give up a home run, but it was on a curveball, which you know, hey, will happen. But I think the biggest negative from this series was some of the team defense that the Toronto Blue Jays play. I know Matt Chapman threw a ball into center field after completing a relay throw, which allowed two runs to score. Kevin Biggio missed a cutoff man, which allowed Ellie De La Cruz to score off of Chris Bassett. Um, Minor things, Riley, that You know, it didn't really affect the Blue Jays too, too much in this series. As they won both games, they made those errors. But you want to see team defense get a little better, especially for Matt Chapman, Riley. Looking this up, he now has 10 errors on the season. I know his defense is still good if you look at like outs above average and all this stuff. He's not the platinum gold glover anymore, but he's he's good. He's still a good defender. It's just the errors seem odd for Matt Chapman. So do you have a thought about the team defense here?
1: Yeah, and there was another play Chapman made uh, real quick. He just didn't get a uh, handle on the ball. I think it was a hard hit ball down to third. Um, and he just couldn't get a grip on it. Whether well, I don't know if they called that an infield hit or an air. Regardless, he did have – I mean, his air cost us two runs, man. Um, you don't – like, if you're going to throw a ball towards the outfield, you got to make dang sure. I mean, one of the worst – one of the saddest plays to watch in baseball is when a catcher misses the throw down to first. On like a dribbler or oh, something yeah. like that. This is ki- down there. And mm-hmm.
0: and this is
1: kind of the same principle, Jesse. We got runners in scoring position. You're throwing the ball the opposite way of home plate. If you went the farther you're throwing the ball away from home plate when there's runners on second and third or first and third or whatever, like that was that's dangerous, man. You're just asking for it. Matt Chapman, he's better than that. Um, whether he just, you know, made the throw too quick in my head, it's an ill-advised throw anyways. Um, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty conservative defensively as far as a lot of things go eat that. Yes. L- either way, there's not going to be a force on, I don't know how many outs there were in the inning anyways, but you can't have two runs scoring like that off an air. Yes. We picked up the victory, but however you just, I mean, one of those runs weren't earned uh, uh, on Bassett's line. And it's, it's just too bad because uh, we know how good of a defender Chapman is. Same with Biggio. Um, I think people forget he plays a lot of different positions in the field. So, I mean, anytime he makes a mistake, you can say, and I'll make the argument and be on Biggio's side for this. The difference is Chapman's an everyday third baseman. Mm-hmm. He should know better. Biggio has bounced around a lot in his career with the Jays, as far as where they placed him in the field. Second base. Yes. Is a very natural position to him, but I'll give Biggio a little more slack because he does bounce around, you know, 100% more than Matt Chapman does.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's anything to be too worried about going forward. Sometimes hey, errors happen. These guys play a lot of games. It's going to be a thing. Riley, to make room for Boba Shed on the roster, the Jays had to let go of Paul DeYoung, a player they traded for 18 days ago, Riley. And I don't think either you or I imagined this was going to happen when uh, this happened. I am surprised they went to DFA him instead of sending down Santiago Espinal because Espinal has options. And the Blue Jays have always been really smart with asset management. But when you hit 087, 087, 087, with three singles and 44 at-bats... That'll probably do it. So Paul DeYoung, 18 games as a Toronto Blue Jay and uh, yikes. So long. We hardly knew you, Mr. Paul DeYoung.
1: Is this my first initial thought? He's. It's not like he's a 27-year-old player getting cut. Is this going to basically be the demise of a Paul DeYoung's career? Is Was my actual thought. It's, hey, he's still got a lot of ball left to play in him, but I mean – that's, that's almost heartbreaking to go from pretty much an everyday shortstop to being DFA'd by, by a team that just traded for you, that wanted to use you as a toolsy guy. Who, yeah, Maybe if you gave him more plate appearance, he'd be comfortable. He's an exceptional defender. It's tough to see. Um, I'm a veteran's type of guy. I like guys to have long careers. And a guy that's been a shortstop in the National League for so long, that um definitely will not make the Hall of Fame. But I would like to see like maybe like 2.2% of the votes go his way just for fun in the <laughs> future. I think this maybe prevents something like that. Like, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things. I don't know how much this is going to affect him in the like down the road, like next year or whatever, what it's gonna what it's gonna do. Maybe like the Rockies pick him up or the Diamondbacks, and he remains back in the National League. But um he de- definitely, that's a confidence deflator right there. As far as what could go wrong for Paul DeYoung,
0: sometimes this happens. We've seen this with um, Brandon Drury, who just came to Toronto and just did not have it. Jonathan Vr came to Toronto, just did not have it, and both of them have gone on other places and have actually been quite productive. Uh, I'm my main takeaway from this, Riley, is when we play immaculate grid. And Paul DeYoung has a new career. We will remember the 18 games he played as a Toronto Blue Jay. And you can throw the Blue Jays in there for Paul DeYoung. Um, some injury updates from the Toronto Blue Jays. Danny Jansen, Bo Bichette, Trevor Richards, Kevin Kiermaier, and Matt Chapman are all back from their injuries. We mentioned Vladimir Guerrero Jr. already. is um, He's been removed i think he's going to be fine i don't think he's going to need an il trip and george springer has been dealing with a little bit of a knee injury which could be kind of concerning from a 33 year old so keep an eye on that i'd also expect to see springer back in the lineup again but he only played once in this series against cincinnati so we'll see if the off day today helps them and see how he does going into um the next series anything to add there riley before we get into the starting pitchers in this series
1: No, let's roll right along and talk about I've been excited to talk about these starting pitchers Man, let's run right into that now. Perfect
0: Uh, Main takeaway for me was Hunjin Ryu Riley, five innings pitch, four hits No earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts The strikeouts were nice, Riley, because he Only averaged three, four, and four to get seven in this game was nice. It's his third Start in a row, Riley, with no earned runs allowed And the curveball was very Nice. I think um, one of the reporters Asked Hunjin Ryu after the game If he had to grade his curveball out of A scale of zero to a hundred, have been 20 to 80, but whatever. Zero to 100. He gave his curveball a 100 out of 100. Ryu thinks his curveball was perfect today, and I would have to almost agree, Riley. He got seven swings, three riffs on the curveball, a 43% whip pitch. That'll work. And only four walks and a 0.71 whip since he's been back. Hunjin, Ryu, my guy, this is fantastic and way more than what I thought we'd get from him.
1: This is ex- this is exponentially more than I thought we'd get from Hun Jin Ryu. Um, five innings, he did his job, get him out of the ball game. Keep his arm healthy. We've already had scares with Hun Jin Ryu in the short time he's been back. Yeah, we have. Let's if he's going to be good for us and we have a good lead, take him out of the ball game, get him the win. That's mm-hmm. I think that's important. And I think that it speaks volumes that he thinks his curveball is at 100. Not going to disagree with that. If he was rocking the confidence man, roll with that yeah. because we've had a few hiccups this year with pitching, with starting pitching specifically and we need that hole filled you know, to, to make this rotation deeper essentially. And if Hunjin Ryu is going to uh, basically allow a base runner an inning and in, in, in not uh, surrender a run, I'm all for that. I'm all for that over five innings. If he has to go deeper into the ball game, and I hope that there's a time this season, you know, over the next two or three starts. Maybe we see him go six innings. I would really like to see that. That's
0: probably um, the next step for you. Yeah,
1: But let's not push it right now. We're, we're still, it's still as good as he is, Jesse. As good as he has been, I should say. It's still kind of, little bit timid around it. Let's take a few more little baby steps before we really let this guy, you know, bark off and go deep into ball games that are, you know, and basically in the sixth inning and your starters now in a, in a jam situation and what we're going to do. Can Hunjin Ryu get out of that in a two run game, things like that. He's been there before. We know what he can be like, but is father time and has the injuries hindered him in any way. Not so far. But we still got a long way to go and a few more Hyunjin Ryu starts, you know, before things start to really break down and really matter, really,
0: really matter. He's giving the Blue Jays a chance to win every night. And that's all you can ask for out of Hunjin Ryu. The other two starters in this series, Riley, Jose Brios, five and two thirds innings pitch, one hit allowed, no one runs, but four walks, but eight strikeouts. I don't know what to make of that. I didn't like the walks, but the hit suppression is quite nice. I don't know. And then Chris Bassett, Riley, just a typical Chris Bassett start, six innings pitch, three hits, three earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. He's actually had exactly six strikeouts in five straight starts now, which I think was wild. Um, he did have that one bad inning though, where he gave up the home run, the Ellie De La Cruz triple. But other than that, he's been fantastic. He's been a very durable, solid number three starter. And I think exactly what we thought we'd get out of Chris Bassett. So out of two starts this series, Riley, what are your thoughts?
1: I thought I thought Chris Bassett did great. I'll start with that. Yeah. But I am not going to lie to you. I really enjoyed Jose Brios' start. Mm. I know that four walks don't look pretty, but the strikeouts, the swing and miss, and the contact suppression were were great. I mean, you can't do it all. You have velocity control and movement essentially as a pitcher. And it's kind of like, well, which one don't you have? And I mean, he didn't really have too much control. I still thought he made very competitive pitches. He got a little—I'm not going to say he got very wild. He got a little bit wild, you know, in the third or fourth inning. But other than that, man, I thought his fastball was working. The slurve looked great. The 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 sinker balls down in the zone looked great. Um, I thought this was one of Jose Brios's better starts, regardless of four walks. I Jesse, I know that it doesn't look good, but anytime you go five and two thirds and only allow one hit. Like there is something very good to take away from that. Yes, Jesse, ideally. And eight strikeouts too for Brios. We've seen we've seen Brios pop off with strikeouts. I think 13 uh, to be exact at one point. I think it might have been last season. 14 uh, twice like, last year. 14 okay, 14 twice last season. Like we've seen him pop off with strikeouts. Just one of those just one of those weird Brio starts, but I'm not I'm not going to lie to you. I absolutely loved it. It was a close ball game. I thought you know, our bats went cold against a guy who shouldn't have gone cold. I thought he more than deserved the win in this ball game, Jesse.
0: Yeah, and the thing I've talked about Brios a lot is I wanted to see the ground balls come up because his last three ones he wasn't getting ground balls, Riley, he had a 70% ground ball rate in this start. So 70% of the batters were hitting the ball into the ground. That's what I wanted to see from Jose Brios in this start. Riley, down on the farm, there were some interesting things happening. Addison Barger has just been destroying baseballs lately. He went two for four on Friday, followed up with three for four on Saturday with a bunch of extra base hits, exit velocities off the chart worth knowing. Chad Dallas Riley is a name to know. He's been putting up some good starts together down in the lower levels of the minors. Just keep that name in the memory bank. Or Elvis Martinez Riley, who is now in Buffalo and hit another home run this weekend, is now playing second base for this first time in his career. I thought that was interesting to see what the Blue Jays do with him there. So keep that in mind. And I got to talk Alec Manoa here, Riley. He still hasn't reported to Buffalo Well, according to reports, he is still in Toronto. The Blue Jays are trying to get him some work on the side to work on his mechanics before getting him back on the mound. I don't know why he isn't going down there throwing more. Maybe the work he did in the Florida Complex League when he was down there, the Blue Jays aren't exactly satisfied with that. It's a big shocker there. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Those three guys, those three names in the minors. And then do you have a take on Alec Manoa and what's the next steps with him?
1: So my take on Manoa, let's start with that, because um, when you hear something like that, it's a little bit of a cause for concern. Um, I think the main goal should be, Jesse, to get Alec Manoa into ball games, And I think doing that at the AAA level is very important. I don't know what the Toronto Blue Jays have in store for him in the city, you know, whatever work they have for him. I, I'm not going to say that that's the wrong thing to do, but I mean, you can do game simulations and this and that. But I think the only thing better than a game si- simulation is, is to go down in
0: the game, and right? pitch
1: in a, in, a, in a real, in a triple A yeah. ball game where you should be able to go six innings and maybe give up a base runner an inning and have, like, basically, you know, a. Uh, like a strikeout in inning, it should be pretty even around the board at this point for Manoa. It should be. I'm not saying it will be. I'm not saying it is. But for Alec Manoa, should at least be able to go six innings in a Triple A ball game without you know without a five ERA, without you know a, a crazy amount of walks, and still with a decent amount of strikeouts. We're forgetting what success this guy had last year, and whatever turnaround, turnabout kind of digression he's had. I mean, I, it can be fixed and it's the best way to fix it. In my opinion, I'm not a pitcher. I'm not a pitching coach, but you would think it's pitching in a lower leverage, lower kind of uh, caliber league uh, it, it down uh, with the bison. I mean, I don't think I'm crazy for thinking that, but um, get this guy more action, get him throwing pitches because I mean, we've seen what he can do. And I think it's important that he's, plays in baseball games
0: yeah i mean tell the guy what you want him to do right maybe do one side session or one bullpen work with him showing that stuff then see if he can execute it in a game it's either a situation where alec manoa just simply doesn't want to do that which i don't think is the case i think he's listening to his coaches and because obviously his coaches want him to succeed and he wants to succeed as well i just you want to get the guy's confidence and the guy's swagger back you know and the best way to do that is to get out there and to pitch well you know it's an even if he goes down there and he's bad there's no real consequence for this right like i don't know the blue jays are handling him with baby gloves and i'm getting major red flags from everything here with alec manoa it's going to be very interesting to see what comes out of him uh in this off season here and i'm sure we'll talk about it a lot as we get into the off season um riley i don't have anything else to add for this episode was there anything else you wanted to make sure we mentioned before we get out here today
1: no, just real quick to the Barger and Arrevalos Martinez thing. Like, good, yeah. good that they're good that they're playing well because those are, I mean, some great prospects to for us to have. I mean, uh, whether they'll be up this year or not, I, I'm doubtful that Arrevalos Martinez will be. Barger but there could bell, be a ton. I think so. But you could. Uh, September's just around the corner, so there, there we could be seeing Addison Barger um, with the big club uh, uh, in September at some point. But hey. Um, I mean, let's quickly just touch on the impact of this next series. Jesse, I think that's important to note before we yep. head out, uh, this, this next upcoming series, man, if you got anything on that.
0: Uh, yeah. Baltimore now going to Camden yards. Look, the Baltimore Orioles have played very well against the blue Jays this year. We need to go out there and we need to play well against them. I can read off the probable pitchers, um, if that will help. And you know, the blue Jays have to play good baseball. Look, if we're going to be a playoff team, Beat the teams that are already in the playoffs. You know, it looks like look we got good starters: Kikuchi against Grayson Rodriguez, Kevin Gosman against Jack Flaherty, Jose Barrios against Dean Kramer. On paper, that seems like two out of three. But the Blue Jays have lost a lot of games that, on paper, they should have won. So we'll have to wait and see. It'll be another stressful week for Blue Jays baseball.
1: Absolutely, man. And this is a series, Jesse. If like we cannot afford a sweep. It's plain That's plain and specs, simple. Yeah. If I think I'm, I'm not going to call it right now. But I think, Jesse, if we get swept in this series, there's there's a better chance than what we're talking about today that we missed the postseason. I'm not saying it's 50 50. I'm not saying it's 60 40. I don't even have a number. But if we get swept in this series, Jesse, it's going to, it's going to set us back three games. But it's going to feel like it set us back 10 games is, is what this is going to feel like. If we lose these three games, it's going to feel like we just lost 10 in a row. And it's going to look like it's going to look like that. The standings with how the other teams are playing um, in the central in the West right now of the American League. I mean, this if we come out of here with two wins, I'll be super happy. But I'm just saying uh, this is a series that we cannot afford to be swept in right yep. now.
0: And let's go Boston. Let's beat Houston this weekend. And, uh, see, and the White Sox, let's go beat Seattle this week. Um, that'll do it for our episode here today, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Remember, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're trying to get that subscriber numbers up to 500. We are well on our way. So please, if you've come this far, let's come along a little further. Hang out with Riley and I as we get into the stretch run of the Toronto Blue Jays season. Until next time, guys, let's go Blue Jays, and we'll see you later this week. Thanks, guys.